0: Right. Here we are, Anthony Smith. Welcome to the 30-minute late episode of Freightonomics on your Wednesday, September 9th? September, 30 September. I uh, can't believe that. Welcome to Freightonomics, the podcast slash show where we discuss the freight market along with the overall macroeconomic situation. I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence here at FreightWaves. He is Anthony Smith, lead economist, head of EV or something
1: here at Great Waves <laughs> as well.
0: Um, and, you know, we've got, hopefully we've got Henry Byers later on today. Uh, so. Henry Byers. And we're going to talk, get a little maritime update going on because we've got peak season uh, about to to have shred the whole market apart.
2: <laughs> well, it's already been really wild. So yeah. this isn't peak season what you're saying.
0: Well, who knows? That's, that's another question we'll talk to Henry about is, is this peak season, are we going to even see a peak? We don't know. Uh, we talked about that a few episodes ago, but we've gotten more information uh, and it's just, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how vastly different uh, things are now versus the pre-pandemic time. So, Anthony, are you checking out social media?
2: Or? I'm on social media. So if I'm looking down, I'm likely either looking at the schedule or I'm also looking at your comment. If you're commenting right now, just so it happens to be around twelve thirty, twelve thirty-two. On Eastern Standard Time, I am checking these comments if you're watching on LinkedIn, so be sure to chime in if you have a shout out, if you want to call out something. If you disagree with Zach, I disagree with him all the time. Let us know here in the chat if you agree with me. We'll be okay too. But yeah, I'll be watching that chat. And also, Zach, we have to do something special because we have a special sponsor for this show this month. And I have to thank them first and foremost. So thank you to Envision Global. This is... Envision Global, I don't know if you've heard of them, Zach, but they are a leader in the freight... time or 2. a time or 2, right? <laughs> they're a leader in the freight, uh, leading the freight audit supply chain management services company. And they're offering enterprise wide solution... Uh, cha- so... Let me start that over from the top. Let's do it. <laughs> I promise Brooklyn Public Schools taught me better than this. I'm going to start from the top. Envision Global <laughs> is a leading global freight audit supply chain management services company offering enterprise-wide supply chain solutions with over 4,000 global businesses, partners, and Envision Global not only provides prompt, accurate freight audit solutions, but also providing industry-leading supply chain information management solutions and services necessary to help its clients maximize efficiencies within the supply chain. To learn more, go visit www.envisionglobal.com. Envision with a lowercase n. Trending. Trending.
0: (laughs) <laughs> uh, and they have got to be a busy company at this point because that is why we're talking about maritime once again. Uh, the supply chain environment still as chaotic as it's been. Um, it's just an insane environment right now. I don't know. I don't, you know I, I have people ask me all the time, "What? Where, where's the? Where's the hot market? Where's the tightest spot?" And I'm like, it, "It's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. It's literally." Uh, you know, we're talking about degrees of tightness at this point, and you're talking about inches instead of yards. Um, it is <clears throat> just an insane place right now. We we look at the, you know, OTVI, our outbound tender volume index. It hasn't really fluctuated. Um, you know, it increased throughout the month of August. Uh, we've seen demand just stay almost on par with where it was uh, in March with the Texas freeze or whatever you want to call that polar vortexing uh situation uh and shippers are simply not able to get their freight uh e- enough freight where it needs to be uh when it needs to be there you know and of course the carriers out there can't keep up with it yeah um so you know it, it's it's just one of those pl- it's just one of those times where it's not is it going to get worse? It's how long is this going to last? <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that's that's really the big question that we're going to pose to Henry Byers in just a bit. But first, up Anthony Smith. Let's talk. Let's talk about a few stories.
2: Let's talk about some stories, Zach. And I also have some questions for you because I want to know what's going on with OTBI right now.
0: Well, I just told you it's crazy.
2: It's crazy. Bye. It's
0: crazy. This is it's 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 high as it's ever been, and yeah. it's just staying right here. We've got this boundary on top of about sixteen thousand, and it's. You know, I I don't know what to tell you. It's it's, it's hard to say that it's going to get worse, but I don't think it's going to get any. It just struggles to get higher right now. So
2: essentially, this is a cap.
0: It feels like a cap because we can't get break through it. But you know, I've been surprised before.
2: Okay, yeah. So let's start off with the stories. We have was it news?
0: News andomics. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple of stories to start off with. We got a little short. We got a short show today, so only two stories to kick off things. But it's kind of a slow week. You know, you can't always have like some sort of hot and heavy week with a bunch of action going on. So, and and I think a lot of people are okay with that. Yeah. I think they got enough going on in their lives right now. So uh, first up, uh, you know, I'll let you lead with this one. This is Todd Maiden's uh, LMI article.
2: That's right. right. So we had Todd Maiden with his LMI article. And what he did was talk about what's going on with transportation capacity and how it dipped further with prices continuing to surge. So what he did was looked at what was going on. I know you guys really enjoy when we have Dr. Zach Rogers on here. We're going to have him on this month, I promise. But we are looking at the LMI from the uh, the perspective of Todd Maiden's reporting right now. And he's talking about the LMI, the same index that Zach Rogers puts out over at Colorado State University and talking about some of the findings within it and really how transportation capacity continues to dip. And so when we look at this, we also have to look at warehouse capacity, warehouse spaces, completely crunched. And we're looking at one of wait, those wait, things. Wait, 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 hold up. Yeah. You're telling me there's no warehouse space left. It, if you can find some, maybe there is, maybe there is. And that's the other thing is like each, like you said, it's not a game of feet, but inches. And each incremental inch is exponentially more expensive. And so that's exactly what we're seeing now. And that's what's going on with that capacity crunch, introducing all these exponential price increases.
0: Yeah, it's that scarcity factor. It really does a number on the human psyche. Uh, you know, once you get to that edge, you know, that supply demand curve works to a point. And then all of a sudden, once you get so far removed, uh, and the, and the supply just is so far under the demand side, things, you get the scarcity principle, right? That's and it. it, and it gets like exponentially more costly. Um, it doesn't just go on a linear regression anymore. It's an, it's a, it's parabolic almost, uh, in the way that prices will increase. Um, so yeah, warehousing, but, you know, kind of the last place uh that shippers have left to shove their freight uh tightening up. Yeah, yeah that's that's something else. So this next one here is right down my alley so I'll take it. This is that's the a, this is the ArtBest article again written by Todd Maiden. Todd Maiden just impression it this week. <laughs> Man is uh, busy <laughs> and it's a uh, Art Best sees August tonnage dip in efforts to bolster LTL service. Now to the you know the passerby this is like oh their tonnage is dropping. You know that's things are turning. It's getting no, no. What they've done, see, what they did here, Anthony, Mm -hmm. was they're removing bad accounts (laughs) from their network. Uh, And they specifically uh, are focusing on removing these UPAC uh, boxes, these containers. As an LTL carrier, these are horrid to handle. Uh, They're horrid. They're huge. You know what I'm talking about. Those big boxes, people shove the storages in there. There's like the pods for storage, and they use them to move and uh, whatever. Uh, they're really convenient in terms of moving, you know, household items and goods. If you're moving or storing stuff, it's like ready to move whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. But if you're putting it on a truck, this thing takes up and it fits perfectly within the trailer, but you can't, you got to load it in the very back of the trailer Mm -hmm. for an LTL carrier. They got a lot of pickups and drop-offs to do. So they have to strategically place these boxes.
2: (laughs) for the pickups and the drop-offs depending
0: on the scheduling of their route. And it is a nightmare. Having done this myself, uh, well, not physically, I haven't done it, but having to price these things myself, uh, these are very difficult to uh, to handle. You know, they're big. you got to have a specific thing to get them off the trailer. And um, it, it's just very bulky and, and cumbersome. And so this tells me that things are still extremely tight. LTL is just blowing up
2: right now. Okay, so, Zach, <laughs> when we're looking at this, you know, cleaning up the bad freight or the
0: – it's not fun. It's not –
2: Profitable. No I mean, bad freight. There's only bad
0: prices. I don't know how many times
2: I heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh, okay. <laughs> so when you're doing this clean out, and I mean, we saw this on large scales where, you know, some carriers like, hey, we're not doing business with you guys anymore. We're just going to kind of do the preferable treatment, preferable, what's the word?
0: Preferable treatment? Pre- preferable? I don't know. I don't know. It sounds know. right. But like,
2: we're going to focus our attention <laughs> to these accounts or these customers, these clients. Is there going to be any bad blood down the line if, say, five years from now, 10 years from now, like, no, we remember what you did to us where you just cleared us on out. You know, probably,
0: but <laughs> but I mean, the reality is is that this is, is just the nature of it. You mm-hmm. gotta, like, at times where you are, your capacity is strained, uh, your operation is already at its limit, uh, you have to start getting more uh, particular about what freight you're moving. Um, and there's no price, I mean, there is a price, but then it becomes so, uh, you know, it's kind of like people are not shipping a lot of freight on the ocean right now because it's too expensive. That price becomes prohibitive for the shipper or whoever's handling this stuff to, uh, to spend that on the, on the trucking. And that's essentially what's happening. It's not like they're saying, no, we're not going to do this. They just remove, you know, they just basically say, well, it's going to cost you so much, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you're basically firing us as a customer. Yeah. And it, it it happens. <laughs> I mean, it's, especially in the last year, um, you know, there's no, you know, sorry, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but I mean, this, this freight was meant to move on specialized equipment and they do that for the most part, but some of this overflow on this outsourced capacity is, is, uh, is what it is. And so you're going to have to pay for it because that's not what they do. That's not what trucks and LTL networks are designed to do.
2: So Zach, can you look closely into camera seven and just say it is what it is? No, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they had you teed up for it, too. I know. But in our next story, we're going to talk about what's going on a little bit in Econ 101 because we're also going to bring in a special guest with us. We have Henry Byers, yeah, um, who's going to talk about the maritime stuff. So looking at some of what's going on within the economy lately, we have to talk about weekly jobs claims and what's going on within the jobs market. So we saw weekly initial jobs claims really hit another pandemic low. Now it's just hovering, barely hovering. I can't talk today. I mean, it's hovering just barely we needed over 300,000. <laughs> sweet tea sounds like diabetes in a cup. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, weekly initial jobs claims hovering just over 300,000. Hit another pandemic low. So mm-hmm. that's great news. And so this is going to be what we're looking forward to on a week-to-week basis. Of course, Zach, you know what we, other, we also saw happen earlier this week? What? Those federal mandated extensions for unemployment benefits, expiring. They expired, they finally expired, Expired. they let them go. They're letting them go. Oh, wow. And so that's happening and it's here, it's gone, poof, away. And now a lot of people are expecting this gonna be a motivation or a push for a lot of people who are maybe waiting on the sidelines to get back into the workforce. Of course, we look at these weekly initial jobs claims are gonna be lagged by a week. Mm -hmm. So really to see if this is gonna have any true impact, we're gonna need to see what's gonna happen over the next two to three weeks if this is gonna have any kind of material or meaningful impact on the overall initial jobless claims market. But we are seeing consistent pandemic lows once more. And the other thing is, is even when we're seeing sideways movements or slight increases, we're not seeing sudden spikes. And that's the really good sign is where the momentum is going. But speaking of momentum, the momentum is easing as we're getting into the final quarter, we're looking at job openings, for example. Look at job openings, there was an increase but that increase slightly is starting to slow down. It's still very much high. It's still very yeah, elevated. I mean, it looks pretty big to me. It's still very, <laughs> it's still very much up there. Yeah. But the rate at which it's increasing is starting to peak out. And okay. I'm going to anticipate this to start slowing down. So this, this is one of those things be,
0: where it's like we're going to ease at a record pace. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that the hardest part, because a lot of people within economics can talk about what's going on right now. Like this is going up, this is going up, or this is tanking, this is tanking. The hard part is, the tricky part is, talking about those turning points of when a peak has been reached or when a trough has been reached. And so right now, I think we are hitting a peak in those job openings. I think it's starting to turn now. Like when we were talking about the peak that hit in manufacturing Mm -hmm. months back, we saw that peak starting to come down, but that's not gonna be a recessionary trend or contraction. We're looking at job openings. I am anticipating a peak being reached very soon. And that we're going to start to see a turn and a slowdown here. It's talking about slowdowns, we also saw unemployment rate drop down to 5.4% in the most recent release. I mean, that's
0: fantastic.
2: It still is good. It's good. I mean, good. it's not
0: it's not great, I mean, historically speaking. But th- there's such a disconnect here. The employment side of things is yeah. really a conundrum when you're looking at these macro economic indicators. And then you hear anecdotally, like people can't hire, they mm-hmm. can't fill jobs. There, there's tons of, you know, I hear this constantly. People are moving jobs like it is their job.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and it, it's there's so much fluctuation in the space right now. There's so much destabilization in the employment uh, in every sector. Um, you know, from healthcare all the way into transportation and supply chain management, there is so much fluctuation going on. And that's gonna create a lot of downstream impacts because you have training thing issues. Uh, you know, disconnections within, like, you know, you've got people with lots of experience and people with little experience, like mixing in. Uh, so much going on with the employment sector. I also read too that the uh, some of the states that were e- had eased their employment uh, benefits early mm-hmm. didn't see any real significant gains in the employment level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, people I think have been equating that over the last bit as, uh, you know, being like, well, we need to remove the employment benefits so people will go back to work. Well, yeah. I, the data doesn't support that people were staying out of jobs with this to to some sort of significant level. Uh, I'm sure there were some of those, but you know who is employed and working at Freight Waves right now?
2: Does his name begin with an H? It begins with an H and ends
0: with an S uh, if you do it's the Henry whole thing. Byers. It's Henry Byers. He's our maritime expert. Henry let's Byers, bring him on. Let's bring him on. Henry, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: <laughs> Pleasure to be here, Gus.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I... I you know, I wanted to have a chat with you today because I wrote a chart of the week article about the IOTI, one of your indexes that you uh, you helped create here at Freight Waves. And I saw this huge spike in the month of, uh, there it is right there. I saw this huge spike uh, ending the month of August and it's been kind of a pretty even trend line uh, coming down out of the peak levels that we saw in a May, June-ish type thing. And I just wanted to get your take here. What are you seeing? Uh, in this sector and is this like a you know another little burst a peak season or is this just part of the same thing that we've been seeing
1: i think it is a it is essentially peak season this year i think you've had a lot of importers a lot of shippers um you know front loading um i think a a lot of the more sophisticated high volume shippers certainly uh were well aware of what capacity was likely to do and we've just had you know capacity the supply side just further deteriorate with you know things like poor congestion, so when you're looking at that that spike there in August, um, I don't anticipate volumes going up back up above that because there's just simply you know not enough capacity um, to carry that volume right now. So it'll be more of a you know a period where those volumes are just you know drawn out, and, and we're looking at those volumes um, staying relatively high, even though they won't hit you know new record highs. Um, they'll stay relatively high probably till summer of uh, 2022.
0: Wow, and and I should I should state I should ex- actually explain that index a little bit is that the IoTI the inbound ocean TUs volume index, uh, say that three times fast. No, <laughs> me. um, <laughs> measures it's an index that measures the amount of booking activity by shippers uh, requesting TUs, you know, twenty foot equivalent containers moving from overseas to the United States, and that's p- ports all over the world, uh, Europe and Asia. Obviously, a majority of that comes from Asia for the United States and those spikes basically have, what would you say, Henry, like normally it's like a 12 to 21 day lead time. And now we're looking at, I don't know, 30, 40 days at times, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's safe to say. I think, um, you know, uh, normally you are looking at around, you know, two weeks out, but, but certainly as, as we see in the truckload sector, you know, as things get tight, uh, lead times tend to, you know, get, get, um, uh, you know, further and further out. So yeah, we're looking, uh, those averages have ticked up quite a bit. Um, Yeah, and and right now, it's, you know, who has capacity? Um, With the the ships waiting off the coast of Los Angeles, Long Beach, at last count, there was over 40. And the bad news is, is there's 25, 30 ships that are only two days, three days out. Um, So we're really in the heart of peak season right now. Um, And if you haven't shipped your freight from China already, uh, you're looking at about, potentially 50 days transit time if you're trying to move it through Los Angeles home beach at this point in time.
2: But looking at that transit time, that's just through the roof on the West coast, any anticipation on a lot of this going through the East coast now?
1: Absolutely. The port of New York, New Jersey. I mean, I was just looking at, you know, who's hit um, new heights for, you know, custom shipments that are being processed by customs and, you know, the list is long Savannah, charleston port of new york new jersey you know each one of these ports um it's real interesting right now because you're seeing these enormous peaks uh, and these really deep valleys and what's happening there is these these boats as they get off the coast i mean there's over 15 vessels um you know waiting for the port of savannah right now so that when these volumes you have a massive influx of volumes those um the shipment volumes as reported by customs will reach new heights but then Um, That port congestion is is leading to, you know, as those ships that maybe don't have as much volume are calling, um, you have a a significant drop in volume. So it can be misleading if you're just looking at that individually. Uh, But that's why the the inbound TU volume index is so important is because that's showing you volumes as they're leaving those countries of origin. So you're looking at volumes before, you know, they ever get on a boat. And then as they're on those boats traveling to the United States, that's how much lead time you have. So when you're looking at it on a port-specific basis – um, we're still seeing some significant upticks in volume in places like the Port of New York, New Jersey, Port of Savannah. So you are seeing shippers react to West Coast congestion, as you would expect. Uh, you know looking at at alternate routings if they can.
0: Yeah, and and I was looking at the our, the freightos Baltic exchange rates uh, the other day, and I it, it's 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 like for somebody that dealt with pricing and numbers for the majority of my existence, it boggles the mind. How a shipper would actually be like, OK, I'm going to ship to the West Coast now, knowing there's a 40-foot line or, a you know, a 40-ship line waiting. And the price differential is only like $1,500 to move to the East Coast versus the West. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So as of the, you know, just today, um, rates to the West Coast from East Asia are up 12%, you know, over $20,000. This is a new high. And then uh, from Asia to the U.S. East Coast um, are twenty-two thousand, up eleven percent. So, and I expect these rates. Um, I've been calling for another, you know, 30 percent increase uh, from now until kind of the, the end of you know the, the holiday re- retail season uh, volumes, which will really you know come to a close here at about the end of uh, the end of October. Um, you know, what what shipments don't move via vessel will probably have traveled you know via the air. Uh, at that point, and then from there on, you'll have that you know post-holiday season. Um, you know, I think shippers will be hungry to you know keep those sales going as much as possible um, since since they may not have some of those volumes here in time. And then other than that, you'll just have a, a replenishment of inventory. So yeah, you're only looking at about um, fifteen hundred dollar difference right now. Which is pretty amazing.
2: So Henry, I have a comment here from the great. Kyle Taylor, he said, "Can you dive into mass decline or the mass decrease in international rail volumes coming from the port cities?"
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need you need look no further than than you know the rhetoric coming from the the rails themselves. Um, you know, the volumes when the, when these were contracted, you got to think you know the ocean carriers go out and contract directly with the, the rail lines, um, and, and when you know much like when truckload capacity you know gets tight, rejections um, you know up tick up you see a lot of carriers, you know, shift over to more spot uh, freight, you know, stuff that, that produces higher margins for them. And, and, and the rails are the same. So this this lower uh, margin, you know, ocean container volume, they basically just said, we're not going to move as much. Um, and so, so essentially, uh, normal lanes, like from Los Angeles to Chicago, that would handle, um, you know, uh, that would handle a significant amount of inland freight from Los Angeles, Long Beach to the Midwest, um, you're seeing uh, a downtick in container volumes, get this, on a moving seven-day average, about 400 containers per day. And this is why I think, you know, we haven't seen quite the uptick in outbound tender volumes in the truckload market, but I think there's an, an amazing amount of pent-up demand in containers with shippers, you know, who are hot for this freight, trying to get it expedited. Um, I think in a in a month's time, you um, you're going to have an, an incredible amount of time sensitive needs to be expedited freight um, and, and how many team drivers are out there, you know? Um, so I think you're going to see truckloads, truckload rates, um, you know, uptick quite a bit just because of, of how these uh, we're not seeing these volumes moving on the rail. So there's only one other way really they can move inland and that's via truckload. So, uh, cause you don't see drainage carriers hauling from, you know, Los Angeles, Long Beach, all the way to Chicago, it's just not feasible. Uh, with the way it operates, so transloading those into fifty-three foot uh, drive vans is is normally what happens, and you're just not seeing those volumes uptick. And I just think that warehouses are at max capacity and having uh, one heck of a time transloading those containers into fifty-three foot drive vans.
0: So, do you think that the you know you know obviously the drainage capacity is as strained as any? Uh at this point, but do you also think that the transloading capacity in those warehouses is having a significant impact on getting some of this freight onto trucks? I mean 100%. I know that yeah, so I mean I know that carriers price themselves into Los Angeles better than any other market in the United States right now. Uh, but they still can't keep up with the demand. So I, I I'm assuming that it's probably a combination of the two, like where the drainage providers, they can't you know move it fast enough. And into the warehouses, off the ports or, or rail ramps, or wherever it is, and then the warehouses themselves can't translate these containers because there's not a lot of chassis out there uh, mm-hmm. that can handle, right?
1: Yeah, what and, and, and arguably um, one of the most concerning pieces of this is the port can only handle so much volume. If this volume is having trouble, I mean, you're talking about the what they call the inland Empire, right? The Ontario market is often referred to as the Inland Empire. Um, you know, shippers continuously, it, you, 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 almost think they're crazy to continue to move volumes into Los Angeles and Long Beach, but it, the, those ports are just so incredibly efficient they handle so much volume. And there's so much, so many assets on the ground between warehouses, drainage carriers, um, and, and truckload capacity that, that, you know, oftentimes it still makes sense, even if you're going to incur a two week delay, because you still have, uh, the capacity on the truckload side when you need it the most, but the ports, um, Run a very real risk of just being full. Um, and if these these drage carriers, you know if there's not enough chassis, if there's not enough carriers, um, you know you, you could really see a point where you know now ships are waiting um, just because they can no longer bring in volumes. and with the amount of vessels that are headed to Los Angeles Long Beach right now, um, we're gonna we're gonna test the upper limits of what those two ports can handle. And uh, my my advice would be, you know, get on the horn and and start trying to do everything you can to to preemptively, you know, get ahead of this. Because I think in the next month, you're going to see things are going to really get ugly real fast.
0: I got one last question for you before we have to wrap things up. And that is, you've kind of hinted at this, like, you know, all of a sudden at the end of October, things will kind of slow down. Do you think that we're going to see a tremendous slowdown in the maritime side of import volumes or do you think it's just going to persist? I know there's going to be plenty of activity, but do you think that we're going to continue to operate at high levels past October?
1: That's a great question. But I, you know, I think you put, if you put yourself in a shippers, um, shoes right now, I, I know we're in uncharted territory territory, but I think if you, if you think about how they're, you know, viewing what, what's happened over the last you know 18 months, really since the the pandemic first hit, Um, I think shippers are looking at inventory in a much different way right now. And I think, uh, you know, you're seeing it in the warehousing numbers. You know, a lot of these warehousing companies um, are just booming right now. And I think that that, you know, importers, when they have, you know, um, so many issues across the supply chain, I mean, the list goes on. COVID shutdowns at ports. You have uh, the vessel capacity issue. You have the container imbalance you know, right now, we're seeing uh, empty containers back where they were. You know, a couple of months ago, there's so many more empties uh, moving than loaded. It's just, it's just amazing, showing kind of the container imbalance. But, but these these importers are going to want to bring in more inventory, and they're going to bring in as much as possible, in my opinion, um, because you they we just don't know. We're living in uncertain times where you know COVID is still here. Um, it's likely to be here for for who knows how long. And I think uh, so. That's why you're going to see volumes. Why they may not across you know where we've been in the last you know five months where we hit those two peaks i still think you're going to see volumes remain relatively elevated um and this is barring any other shutdowns you know let's just say if things continue to operate as they (laughs) would say um we're going to see volumes remain elevated into the probably the summer of 2022 before things um you know kind of cool off a little bit and even then um you know it's going to be you're going to be already kind of back into the next peak season right so it's going to be Really, really interesting um, to see what happens, but I do expect volumes to remain elevated. You're not going to have these, you know, valleys and, and peaks like before Chinese New Year, like you normally would. They're going to uptick some, but but not like they have in years past. It's going to be um, kind of hovering along that plateau, uh, probably for the the better part of the next six months. Wow. Well, there you have it, man. Straight
0: chaos for the next year still. Uh, Henry, thank you so much uh, for joining us today and and getting into the maritime side a little bit. We'll definitely be having you on probably again here in the next couple of months just to get another checkup going. But uh, thanks again.
1: Yeah, guys. There you have it, Anthony. (laughs) There you have
0: it. There you have it, Anthony. Uh, OTVI up against the ceiling. Maritime imports. Going to keep it that way for a while.
2: (laughs) That's right. And so we're about to close out. But Zach, we have a quit debate. Quick debate topic at thirty seconds. Straight from the control room, cornbread versus biscuits.
0: Biscuits a hundred percent all the time.
2: Biscuits with jelly or jam,
0: or honey. <sighs> ooh, ooh, ooh! You caught me off guard there.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm out. I'm Concord out corn grape jelly. <laughs> I'm walking away.
2: <laughs> Strawberry jam Concord. or honey?
0: I'll give you those two. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check us out. Freightways.com. Download the Freightcast uh, app. Check out all of our stuff. Everybody have a great week and drink more sweet tea. Drink more water.